You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. We are in a series, Cultivating Community, as I've mentioned. These are the questions we finished with last week, just so you kind of know where we're at. Excellence in relationship with God and each other, and I asked you to consider what barriers or challenges are impacting the quality and intimacy of your relationship with both God and others. And then it's one thing to hear from God, it's another thing to obey and do and act and move. And so what concrete measure can you take to embody the teaching and the power of the cross, allowing its transformative power to bring new life to both yourself and those around you in your community? That's where we started. I struggled with this message today and I didn't know why. Um, I rewrote it three different times and it ended up completely different to where I thought I was going to go. And I still don't know why I struggle with it, but let me tell you some of the things I think were playing on my mind as I wrote a message, kind of, this is the second of three messages about building and cultivating good and rich and beautiful community. I think this is part of it. If I was to say, raise your hand if you want to be a part of rich, good, beautiful community, put your hand up. Good. That's what I thought. I thought I expected that response. So that's what we want, right? That's what we crave. Yet, let me scratch beneath the surface. If I was to ask these questions, I'll get you to raise your hand at the end if you fit into any of these categories. You're exhausted. You've got too much on. You're questioning your career choice or the loss of career choice over the last few years with everything that's gone on. You're feeling a bit burnt out. You might even be feeling a little bit burnt out. I mean, you're here this morning, so it's probably not, but you may be feeling a little bit burnt out from Christian community. Even that can burn you out, believe it or not. Or you're just feeling a little bit overwhelmed on what's on your plate and what's happening in the world. Put your hand up if you're feeling any of those. Similar amount. Not all, and it's okay if you're not. Welcome to 2023. We want to build rich, beautiful community, but the idea of cultivating anything other than a coffee after church or dinner tonight feels exhausting. The idea of doing anything other than that is just, oh, like, I'm tired, is the general conversation I'm having with many of you, and we can see it as a cultural shift, and I think it's to do with a... Let me list why I think the world collectively... It's okay if you don't feel like this this morning, great, but let me tell you why I think most of the world is expressing that. Here are some of the factors. Our culture worships busyness. How are you going? It's not good. Not God is good. It's not I'm okay. It's I'm a bit busy. That's our answer. I'm important. (laughs) That's our answer, really, what we're saying. We worship busyness. The side hustle. We worship as many experiences, as many on-the-go things as we can as possible. We worship options as a society. I say it time and time again, the fact, think about this, and I know Facebook is now outdated, so me saying Facebook, can you believe it or not, is a really old thing to say. But the fact Facebook has a maybe button sums this up that we in modern society look at event and we can't say, yes, I commit 
or no, I can't, we have to say maybe. <laughs> How crazy. Just that's why we're exhausted. We have like 40 events that we might go to. <laughs> we might go to if there's not a better option. We might go to if we can be bothered. We might go to if we're not exhausted that day. That means that gathering is not seen as a commitment to anyone else. It's seen as something that will bring you fulfilment or scratch an itch for you. It's not about the person you've committed to. It's about whether or not in society it brings you happiness, you joy, you fulfilment. Now, add on this. I know the start of this is a little depressing. Sorry, but there's hope, right? On top of all of that, you add the massive disenfranchised feeling our society's feeling. We're done with organisation. They've let us down. Governments feel like, lots of you, I know this, feel like the government let us down in the last few years. We're done with banks and finance, financial institutions as they don't seem to be able to handle our money. We're done with them. We're feeling let, we're just done with trusting these institutions. And probably the saddest one is churches. We're so tired of seeing leaders fall, have secret lives. And we're especially tired of seeing what they've done, especially around kids. And to bring it home, Church of Christ Queensland has cases against kids that are active, against people with kids. So it's not just the Catholic Church. Church Christ, not Burley, but Church Christ Queensland. It's no wonder people like, I, when you say, yeah, I have rich, good, beautiful community, but I'm tired, I don't trust you, I'm exhausted, I don't know if it's good for me, it doesn't fulfil a need in me. And then on top of that, last one I promise, we live in a world of Uber Eats and Netflix. And so when we click yes, or we click maybe, but 10 minutes before we come to an event... It better be the best event we've ever been to, <laughs> right? Because I have Uber Eats, I have social media, I have Netflix, I have at my fingertips. So when I decide to come to your event at the very last minute, it better be perfect. Nothing short. Their kids' program, if it's a church, better be chef's kiss. <laughs> kids need to be, as we talked about, they need to be perfect, not like kids at all. <laughs> the chairs, the temperature... It needs to be okay for the right person that's about to faint and needs cooling down and the other person, the other side of the room, that's freezing cold. That, that's obviously, that's just other churches. <laughs> and the preaching, the pastor must speak at an exact speed. No, no, I'm joking. I do talk fast. I take that. I do talk fast. I take that one on. You mix it all together and could it possibly explain my wrestle with today's message, letting you into my mind, as I think, do I have to get up there and talk about cultivating community to a group of people I know are exhausted, a little bit untrusting, a little bit burnt out? As I thought about my work in convincing you to, to participate, to commit, to even give up the things of this world to come together and cultivate something rich, good and beautiful. It was then in that third rewrite, as I thought that thought, I felt God say this. 
It's not your thing and you don't have to do the convincing. So this is a bit self-reflective, but that's me. It's part of this church. I felt like God said to me, Steve, it's not your church. Nice try. This is not Pastor Steve and Mary and Gray's church. Or insert the many wonderful leaders we have. We do love this church and we love leading and helping, of course. But you are the church. I'm part of the church. This church is not a personality. It's not a call to participating. in. A, it's not a clever sell. Or I'm not going to give you a 10-page marketing technique to try to guilt you into becoming part and cultivating community with us. This is God's big invention. His plan. It's the Spirit's work. It's its power to convince you, to stir within you. So in light of that, let's continue. (laughs) Let the Spirit in this morning. Let it convince you, convict you, not just about doing things for the church, but maybe consider being a part of what God wants to do in this little area in Burley, his big invention for Burley Heads and some of the wider suburbs. If you have a thought this morning that is about community, I encouraged everyone last week to text me or to put in a prayer card. We are building some values as a church that we want to take to the board and reevaluate our values as a church through this series. So if something stirs within you today, I'm only going to give three points out of the passage. There might be much more in it that stirs with you. Text me. If you text me last week, I didn't reply. That's because I'm building on them all. They were great. All of them were great and very funny. Some of them were very funny. I do the same thing. You can be funny, that's right. It'll give me a giggle after church. But also when the Holy Spirit speaks, maybe text something through or put it on a prayer card and we'll build these values together because we are the church. So I want to read this morning just a description of the early church. I actually kind of cheated on this sermon. I actually ran through this as a small group with Renew last Sunday afternoon and I let them write the sermon for me. They gave me some phenomenal points. So thank you. Thank you, Renew. Um, You gave me some points back and I took notes and now here we are this morning. So you hear it again, but you might hear your own points back at you. Um, There's this beautiful snapshot in Acts 2.42 of the early church. Some context today. It's not a prescription, it's a description. What do I mean by that? This is not a checklist. As we look through here, we're like, no, we don't do that. Whoops, we don't worship in ancient Jerusalem. We're not, we don't go to temple. It's not a prescription. It's a beautiful description that we can derive values out of this first explosion in our movement that's led to us here 2,000 years later, sitting in church in Burley Heads. So this passage comes straight after the Holy Spirit, brings power and presence, and this is a description of what it looked like in that that white-hot movement that was the church. Let's read up there, Acts 2.42, let me read. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, 
praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added, I bet he did, added to their number daily those who were being saved. What a great description. Let's have a little bit of a look. Actually, turn the person beside you. And it doesn't have to be a big conversation. It'll be literally three minutes. Tell them one thing you just love that stands out. Go. Turn the person beside you. Tell them one thing you love in that passage. If you weren't reading, if I've just caught you, that's okay. Say, I'm still praying about it. That's totally fine. <coughs> All right, I will wrap you up. However, this conversation again, I'll give you permission. You are totally allowed to continue this over morning tea, over a sausage and onion, say, hey, what did you, what a great question, what did you find in the scripture? Because again, we are the church. I'm going to give you three things that I like, that I think tie into Burley. There's hundreds of things in there. Share with each other. Text me. This is good. Let me give you my first thing that stands out to me. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. I love this. And to properly explain this, I want to just talk a little bit about this word fellowship. Because when I hear fellowship, this may be just me, but I picture this picture here. I think it's the next one, boys. Next one, maybe. For some reason, I picture ladies' tea, literally having tea. They're a little bit older. And for some reason, they're all British. And so I was going to say that I picture Janice, but she's far too young to be at a ladies' tea fellowship. So, but almost. I did warn you. <laughs> um, I picture, yeah, just people drinking tea. It's lovely. But for some reason, we hear fellowship. That's the image in my head. And there's nothing wrong with this. This is fantastic. But this is so not just what fellowship means. Nothing wrong with that. Here's the thing about what this word actually means. And I'm going to pronounce it wrong. But fellowship, the word it comes from is koinonia. And what its definition is, a group of people meeting to pursue a shared purpose. Actually funny, the word community is a group of people gathering around a thing. That's okay. But fellowship is actually around a purpose. It has movement to it. It's a cause. It's not a thing. It's a purpose. I love this. This means the early church had a commitment, yes, to the apostles' teaching, yes, to the word of God, but not even just, well, just straight away. It was a reflex. It's we study the Bible, we study the apostles' teaching, and then we move. We go. We do. Not out of some law anymore. They're free, right? Out of just the captivatedness of what they'd read and seen. It's one move. It's apostles' teaching and fellowship gather with purpose, with intent. I love that. We know churches, we know we can get caught up in the apostles' teaching and then just stay. Don't do anything about it. It's so easy. Knowledge is awesome. 
but it's not the point of the early church. The invention wasn't, I hope they get go, learn heaps, know heaps of cool facts about the Bible, and then stay. It was go make disciples. It was move, go. The disciple factory going full. I love that word disciple factory because we know what a bike factory does. It makes bikes. A church is a disciple factory. It should be making disciples. We have a purpose. They were there to see the truth, the way and the life of Jesus and then see lives transformed through that news. Transferring people's lives today and for eternity. I know how often do we forget and think this thing is just a building, a program or a thing to attend, but it's not. It's us meeting with purpose. Amen, is that all right? I love, let me just show you, this purpose is not something, this is what I love, personally I love, that this purpose isn't something that God just made up then. He didn't go, all right, I've got this new thing called a church, I've got a purpose for them. He's actually told us this for the last like three to 4,000 years of scripture. Look at this in Genesis, Genesis 12, 1 to 3. The Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I'll make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. He didn't, never said, Genesis, want you to start a cool kids club and no one's allowed in. He said, I want you to start something that is going to form you and bless others. Then we get to Exodus 19, 3 to 6. God and Moses, he's just rescued all the slaves. He wants to form them. And he says this. Then Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, this is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you're able to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully, keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. We won't go into it at the moment, but we spent about a year in Leviticus a couple of years ago. Maybe too long, but it was fun. And we learned that priests do two things. I'm going to say one thing because I've forgotten the other thing. It's not my notes. <laughs> the one thing we said. The main thing. The main thing <laughs> is they live to point towards God in everything they do. Wherever they are, they were his representation. They represent, as they walked amongst ancient Israel... The priests would point. They lived. Even the way they were clothed, they were pointing back to God, the great high priest. How cool is this? Because Jesus talks about a kingdom a lot, a kingdom of priests. That means, that does not mean, some people think that means we need a hundred priests per church, all running the, the building. No, 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 no. It means, sure, have some leadership here, but then go as priests. So if you're, you work in a library, if you work in a school, if you're a mechanic, if you work at Stocklands across the road, you are a priest. 
If you go, I hope someone saves my workplace. I hope someone tells my workplace about Jesus. I hope someone's generous and loves them and catches up with them and listens to them. Uh Uh-oh. God's answered that prayer already. It's you. This big vision of being a kingdom of priests, going out and blessing others. Oh, man, if you can't tell, getting sweaty, not because it's hot. It's exciting. People going out, redeeming, restoring, healing, creating, gathering with purpose. If you let this, this can be a mind changer. You no longer get up in the morning and you, didn't, and you just didn't go to the beach or sleep in. You didn't just attend church this morning. You didn't just serve this week or call that person this week because, or didn't swear because it's the right thing as a Christian to do. Your reasoning changes. No, you can be committed to a purpose, a good and beautiful, big purpose. You're here to encourage each other towards that purpose. Be encouraged towards that purpose as you go out as representations pointing to God as holy priests in your area. Reordering, reimagining and restoring. So my first point is committed to the purpose. This is how I see in the early church. They knew they weren't just attending a social club. They were a movement. So question one seems a little harsh, but it's, I couldn't think of another way to put it. Why are you here? <laughs> you can be here just exploring us, by the way. This is why we gather. Love it. That's okay. You can be here just sussing us out. That's completely okay. But I do want you to ask this question. Why are you here to yourself? Do you know that there's a purpose? Do you know that God has a purpose for you and this church? It's okay if you don't. We're currently doing a series on it. That's why. I'm up for the conversation. If you are, I know our leadership is up for the conversation. If you're not sure of your purpose, what a great conversation. Bring it, please bring it. We want you to find your purpose in this place. You're also welcome to sit, watch, visit and observe. That's okay for a season. But please know this place is not going to be and shouldn't be about your attendance. This is not about your doing the right thing. This is about you feeling overwhelmed, captivated by the vision of God and joining in with us in participating with the divine in his purpose. I hope that's why you eventually find your... That's why you're here eventually. All right. To the breaking of bread, it continues, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Again, there's heaps in this next part. There's heaps in this whole passage, and please text them through. But I love this idea. What I felt from it today to communicate to you is, yes, they had communion. They remembered what Jesus did. They were talking about what the apostles were doing, what they're preaching, heard what was going on. They were obviously sharing all the miracles and were at awe at the things that were happening in their community. Now, when I went to explore this passage with Renew, they brought up the same thing I was thinking. Gee, I wish we could see more of that. Miracles and these massive things of power. Gee, I could do with a little bit of that. And it's true. If you're feeling that, it's true. The West, we don't see a lot of that. You ask a missionary overseas and they see that, but we don't see a lot of that. I, I do grieve that. 
But then something else happened at the small group. Someone said, oh, hang on, I do remember that this person got healed recently. And then someone said, oh, hang on, I do remember that I got to share my faith with this person recently. And then someone else, I think it was three different people that all shared something that was amazing. And guess what? We were filled with awe. It turns out we just forget to tell the good things God has done. We're so quick to give him our shopping list or we go, thanks for last week. I think that was amazing. I barely remember it. It was busy. I think you did heaps of cool stuff. Here's what I need this week from you. We need to be sharing what God's doing. He is doing incredible things in this place. He is absolutely doing incredible. I'm not just, again, it's not a clever marketing thing to sign up to Burley. Legit this week, he's doing insane things in people's lives. From the most simplest way I see it is someone when they get a food bag and they burst into tears. Two, when they come back three years later and they say, that moment changed my life. To the other thousands of things that are happening in your little worldly, where you are priests of, you tell me about where people are being transformed, changed, growing, questioning. So kind of the second way I could word that, it's a bit wordy, but I was trying to think, how do I word this value? And this is what I came up with. They had a commitment and celebration of the divine narrative and his work in their lives. What I mean by that, they were committed to telling his story through communion. They were committed to telling his story through the apostles' teaching, through the gospel. Then they were committed to celebrating well what God did. He doesn't just do something and then we forget it. They celebrated well. Every day they were breaking bread. Hey, did you hear what we did this week? I love that. I think... I want to talk to leadership. I want to see your text. I think this is what, and we'll talk a little bit about the practicality of this next week on how this plays out, the form it takes. But I think that's this. As we outgrow and get bigger, we can't know everybody's name all the time. We can't know everything that's going on. But what we can, we can do that in smaller groups, and we'll talk about that again next week. But what we can do, my goodness, we can come and celebrate what God's done that week together. And if he hasn't done that much, or we feel distant, we can at least meet and encourage. Does that sound good? I think we do that, by the way. This isn't like, hey, here's a new idea. But I do think Christians could do this better in general. We need a bit more celebration, a little less. Oh, do you hear this is happening? Or do you, do you know what? Really struggling with this. Can you pray for me? I love that, by the way. Keep that coming. But we could also balance it with God did this this week. Hey, can I just tell you one small thing he did for me this week? Hey, it was tiny, but at the time I felt like God spoke to me this week. A commitment here at Burley Heads Church of Christ and a celebration to the divine narrative, this story that we are a part of and his work in our lives. They remembered, they reflected, and my goodness, they celebrated. And of course, how could you not be filled with awe? I said, filled with awe, not awful. I thought that was clever. Can't tie it to anything, but I really liked it. (laughs) And so my question is, do you share and celebrate? Do you share and celebrate? Do you come to community 
And again, we're learning, we're growing, all have sinned. But have you found community a place to just consume, to compare, or to compete? Even to complain? Some alliteration there. Consume, compete, complain. Or do you come to celebrate? I know stuff's hard. I know some people in this church are facing the hardest stuff that a human can face around this time, health and things like that. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying you have to be happy all the time. But even this, in these hard times, are you letting others in? Are you letting God stir? Are you filling each other with hope in what God is doing even in the hard times? Amen? Amen. Cool. All right, last point today. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possession to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together, I love this, with glad and sincere hearts. Not a fake happiness point I just said. Glad but sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord, and of course he did, added to their number daily those who were being saved. My last point is this. They had an excellent and active commitment to each other. When you're meeting in homes, when you're meeting with a shared purpose, when you're selling everything to meet other people in your community's needs, when you have everything in common, it said, now that doesn't mean they all said, all right, everybody on the count of three, favourite colour, one, two, three, and everyone went red, favourite hobby, skydiving. That doesn't what it means together in common. It meant they had a common purpose. They had different favourite colours and hobbies. It meant they're all on the same page. They are obviously committed to each other. They want to see each other grow. They want a person next to them to know their purpose. They want their well-being. They want good for the person beside them. It reminds me of Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. Let me read this quickly. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 31. He says this about the church. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of it in many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one spirit as to form one body. Whether in his context, Jew or Gentile, slave or free, we're all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is made up of not just one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. I want to pause there. This is one of the biggest tragedies on the Gold Coast. We have people that are feet and they all go to a feet church. That church didn't suit me. I felt like the odd one out. Of course you did because you're the foot and that guy's an arm. It's devastating. It's like I, know it's, I am trying to be funny as well, but it is devastating as well. I see churches do, we hear this all the time, they're really good at this, but they lack this. That's because they're all the feet there and they need to hang out with the arms. We know this. There were churches on the Gold Coast that are phenomenal. We um, speak to some of the school mums first time back and some of them have already started going to some of the churches on the Gold Coast and it's, they've been at, like, on the Gold Coast for like three minutes. Like, How do they capture and let people know they're there? They're exquisite at it. 
we could use some of them here. But they're all down there. And I'm sure they say the same thing about us. They say, look what they're doing. We're not meant to be the same. We've just got the same purpose. Our commitment is to each other. So the foot doesn't wake up one morning. And this is not a lecture about coming to church. This is about being the church. Not just Sunday, every day. So please hear me when I say this. But as an example, it's like the foot waking up one morning going, don't really want to be part of the body today. I probably won't be noticed. That's that, now that happens, that's okay. It's not about Sunday. But you are noticed because you're part of our body. You are noticed. You're, part of, you're committed not to just coming or attending something. You're part of being part of the body. We need all our eyes. We need all our legs. We need all our arms. We need you and your purpose in this body. It says now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. You don't get, I love that. You don't stop not being part of the body just because you don't want to. Your purpose just sits there. And the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, <laughs> where would the sense of hearing be? Paul being very funny here. If the whole body were an ear, where would, the, uh, where would the sense of smell be? It's a good point. But in fact, God has placed many parts in a body, every one of them just as he wanted them to be. If they were not all one part, where would the body be? There are many parts but one body. Many parts but one body committed to God, each other and their purpose. This really puts shame to modern language that I am guilty of using. Are you attending church tomorrow? I will ask. I say that one seriously all the time. You do not attend the body you are part of. You are not attending. You are not coming to consume. Hopefully you're filled with awe because people share and celebrate. But you're not watching a movie. You're not coming to sit next to a stranger in the dark and eat popcorn and watch a good show. Hopefully a good show though. Hopefully it's okay. Hopefully it's not a poor movie. You can come sometimes to church, you can't. It's not about attendance. I can't say that enough. It's about your participation. We want you here in your purpose, your God-given purpose, where you're placed, where you are. More lines I hear. I tried the church, but they weren't like me. It wasn't many type. But again, I said that. That's because you're the foot and you went to a ear church. They need you. They can't walk without it. So countercultural to what I said at the start is this message. Sounds obvious, but I, I don't even think I fully understand how countercultural this message is because our world is so focused, and I've grown up so focused on my needs, my playlist. I grew up even older than Facebook, my space. Me. What does bring me happiness? What fulfills me? I can't even escape that. That is so indoctrinated in our world, I think I'll always carry a little bit of me. This is about us and what God can do with us. And your part, of course. So my last question. Who are you committed to? 
These questions aren't made for you to answer in a spot. They're made just to answer over this season of cultivating rich and good and beautiful community. Who are you committed to? What I'm not asking you to do, I'm not asking Matt here to commit to everyone here and make sure you're all okay and share with you every week and pray for you all individually every week and share his testimony that week with you all this week. That's impossible. This is about celebration and telling the story. I'm asking Matt and the rest of you to commit to a couple of people in this church. If you're married, your first priority is your partner. If you've got a young family or even an older family, your second priority is commit to them. They're your first small table. Disciple them and then pray to God, is there a few more I could add on? Is there a small table of a group of four to 12 or is there a group of one to three people you could meet with regularly and you're committed to them? Will you have things not to talk about sometimes? A hundred percent. Is it awkward like kind of a first date, even though it's not a date? You're thinking, will they like me? Every time I've met with someone for the first time, any age, I've thought, I wonder if they'll like me. If they think I'm a pastor, do I have to say something profound? What if I'm not that profound and they realise I'm just me? Uh-oh. Because I haven't curated a 30-minute sermon when I'm meeting out for coffee. What if they ask me a question? What if they ask me a Bible question and I don't know? We all feel it, but... Our commitment to each other is bigger than that. And so ask yourself, if you're going to join, if you're going to dig deeper, if we're going to cultivate good and rich and good, beautiful community, who are you going to commit to? Don't have to do it right now. Pray about it. Who are you committed to? Who are you going to encourage? Who are you going to spur on? Who are you going to let in? Who are you going to share? Who are you going to celebrate with? Who do you want the best interest for? Again, partners, that's your husband or wife, that's your family, but then a few more. Does that make sense? Good. Super important. Who are you going to pray for? For growth. Pray for purpose. Pray for wellness. Pray and champion someone. I love the... um, My brother-in-law uses this example. Um, He's a runner. I am not. But I still like the example. And he says when he's running, he runs with his... His name's Steve Gill and he runs with his mate Elliot. They used to run all the time. And they would see a lightning, a lightning, a light pole up ahead and they'd be puffed out and one of them would say, let's just make it to the light pole. They make it to the light pole and then the other one says, let's just make it to that street up there and they run up to that street. And he goes, you find yourself some running partners. And it stuck with me. Find yourself some people that you're committed to. Hey, that's really cool that you're getting less angry at the kids, mate. What are you trying for this week? What can we pray for this week? Hey, that's really cool that you've started a practice with date nights with your partner. What can we do this week? What can we concentrate on this week? Hey, I'm sorry you're feeling lost in your career. What can we pray for this week? A running partner, champion each other, encourage each other. Who can you commit to? Because that's literally this purpose of why we're here. Who can you commit to? Commit to the purpose, commit to celebration, and commit to each other. That's some of the ways we can be excellent in relationship at Burley Heads Church of Christ. But as I said at the start, you may have loved this message. You may have not got it. Maybe you didn't even, couldn't even stand it. It can't be my job to stir within you, to bring bones back to life. So I'm going to get us to stand, if that's all right. Then I'm going to pray for us and then because you're already halfway there, 
You're going to find one or two or three people. Don't leave anyone by themselves and you're just going to pray together. They don't have to be the people you're committing to. I'm not signing up to a lifetime with a person next to you. (laughs) Just pray with some people and pray for them to find purpose. Pray for the Holy Spirit to ignite something and pray for this church to catch fire in all the right ways. So people write descriptions of this church and our commitment to God and each other. Let me pray and then we'll do that and then the band will sing one last song. We'll just probably spend five, ten minutes praying together if that's all right. Let me, let me pray. Father God, thank you so much that we're not called to attend. We're not called just to watch. We're not called just to observe life. We're called to participate. We can't do it without you. That's useless. That's just useless works. We need your power. We need your spirit. We need your life. We need you to carry the burdens that we carry. Take them away. We need to know that you love us. If we do nothing, you still love us. But you want to do something with us. You want us to bring help to those that are unjust or those that are suffering from injustice. You want us to be generous. You want us to love. You want people to just see us and go, I want to be part of that because I don't know what is so right about them. But I know I need to be a part of that purpose. As Paul says in Ephesians that he is a prisoner of you, I pray that you capture us, captivate our hearts, turn down the voice of the world that says consume, compete, busy, hustle, hurry, and say rest instead, stay instead, serve, love, go.